This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. As far as the rest of Metcamp is concerned, what I took from Billy Epler the other day and the way he talked about Alvarez and the way he talked about Beatty and Vientos and Mauricio is he put a big emphasis on defense. A very, very big emphasis on Alvarez will be here when he's ready to catch most of the time. The problem with that is they signed Omar Narvaez. We know how good Tomas Nito is defensively. How much per week would Alvarez need to catch for Billy Epler and Buck Showalter say that's worth it? That's enough. So even if they feel he's ready defensively, they come out of camp really impressed and say, boy, he's made a lot of progress. We think he can catch this veteran staff. What does that mean? And what does the number have to look like? Because they want to continue to develop him as a catcher, which I think we all agree with. We want him to be the long-term catcher. And so calling him up and exclusively having him DH is not the greatest option in the world. I'd be the first to admit it. My suggestion during the offseason was he does both. He DHs against lefties, or DHs against righties, I guess, but really against lefties since they don't have that same alternative at designated hitter. And then you catch him twice a week. Is that going to be enough, though? Like, if they feel he's advanced enough where he can catch at the major league level, what's the amount of games per week that would satisfy them? Tomas Nito, and I love the guy, can be a true backup. Like, he doesn't need to catch multiple days a week. We already know what Tomas Nito is. Narvaez is a little bit more intriguing because he can give you a little bit more offensively. So if you play six games in a given week, are we good? Are the Mets good? with Omar Narvaez catching three of them, Alvarez catching two of them, Nito catching one of them, and then maybe a few more days outside of that where Alvarez is your designated hitter. That's the question that I would push Billy Epler on. I I totally get and respect that they want to develop this kid as a catcher, and they don't want to call him up and never have him catch and, and all that, but what's that number? where they'd feel comfortable because they may need his bat. Let's be perfectly honest. Well, well, here's something that really we've talked – I think I mentioned once was the fact is if you, you have Omar Navarez there, if you split time between him and Alvarez, right, and Nito is kind of the third-string catcher, but here be here, here, you can have Alvarez start games and do the one-on-one with the starting pitcher – and then later innings for defensive purpose, you can bring Nito in in like the crunch time situations, but still have that D- someone come in to bat for that DH spot, bat for the catching role, whatever whatever the, the case is, so that Nito's because the thing is Nito's bat doesn't play as well as we'd like it to, but Alvarez isn't really perfect behind the dish. And if you're worried about defense at the late time of the game, that's where Nito can come in for the two three innings that's needed and still have somebody bat if there's a crunch time situation, that, that, that's the way I look at it. If they're willing to, if they're willing to do that with him, that, that's the question when it comes to the development of Francisco Alvarez as a catcher, I think early in this season, because look, let's all be honest. He's not making the team. 
you know, barring injury, obviously injuries can change everything, but barring injury, he's not going to make the team. So I'm not even worried about April. I'm not even worried about that. It's more, okay, it's May 10th. Alvarez is tearing it up at AAA. We think he's making progress defensively because there's no way really for us to know. We're not looking at what Billy Epler is looking at and what he's hearing from his scouts and from the manager down there and from the coaches down there. What's the eventual role this season for him? Will they handle him in the way you just described? I, I like the versatility of three catchers, and, and we're going to spend more time on this on the podcast uh, later in the week. We're going to go deeper into the roster construction. I, I, I'm in a losing battle here. I would love to have five position players on my bench, even six. And they can't because every team wants to have so many bullpen arms. They want to have eight relievers. Well, do the math. If you have eight relievers and you have your five starters, that's 13 pitchers, which is, by the way, the most you're allowed to carry. There's new rules roster-wise that was set up a few years ago. It's not like you can have 14 pitchers. You can have 13 pitchers. That leaves you with 13 position players on your roster, nine of which are starting. So that only leads four guys off your bench. I'd love to have five. And when you have five, it makes more sense to have a third catcher. And so I think a part of the issue they're going to run into, and we'll spend more time on this next week, is if the Mets are going to be firm on only having 13 pitchers. That's it. We're not going 12. We're going 13. It doesn't leave you a lot of space. It doesn't leave you a lot of room. As far as Beatty, it was it was interesting, too, because I think I'm more passionate about Beatty making this team than Alvarez. And I'll tell you why. I think there's more room to play him. I think there's more possibilities on how to play him. The one negative on Alvarez versus Beatty, where Alvarez, I could see being someone everyone prefers, is that they are weaker against left-handed pitching. Their right-handed options are not nearly as good. Technically, Escobar is a right-handed option because he's better as a switch hitter batting right-handed. But Darren Ruff is still on this roster. Tommy Pham is on this roster. While from the left side, I know a lot of people don't love Daniel Vogelback, but Daniel Vogelback hits right-handed pitching. But what they said about Beatty, what Billy said about Beatty, is it's about defense. And it's the same thing with Mark Vientos, that the key to these guys making this team is that they are going to have to see great progress from them defensively. And and again, that's much tougher for all of us sitting back to judge because other than just watching a spring training game and seeing if he makes a play or not, they're looking at a lot of other things, obviously. So I hope Beatty's gotten better defensively. I don't know if he has. I hope he has. Epler said he's seen improvement with his agility, so that's a good sign. But what I love about Beatty, if he can make this team, are a few possibilities. Number one, Eduardo Escobar, while he was great over the final two months of the season, he was a zero for the first half of the year. A zero. I don't know what the Mets are getting out of Eduardo Escobar. So right out of the gate, Beatty being the most of the time third baseman gets a lot of at-bats against righties. The other option, even if Escobar is playing well, is the idea that Beatty can play third, Escobar can play second, and Jeff McNeil could play left field. The other option is Daniel Vogelback isn't hitting much. Beatty could be the DH. So I see like three different scenarios I just laid out, maybe four, where Beatty can get consistent at-bats early on in this season. But he's going to have to hit in spring training, but clearly he's going to have to show Billy and Buck that he's improved defensively. Viento's kind of the same thing. Like Epler, 
His exact quote was, well, it's not an exact quote. I guess I'm going to paraphrase then, was you got to play defense to be on this roster. That defense is really, really important. And that was the answer last year why they hated Mark Vientos. That's what it comes down to. And Vientos is either going to play first base and he's going to play third base. Those are his only two avenues to play. Where, by the way, the Mets are okay. They've got Alonzo at first. Vogelback could play first base. They've got Escobar at third. They've got Guillaume who could play third base. So Vientos, to me, isn't playing positions. His best option is a right-handed DH because Darren Ruff stinks. But clearly, these guys are going to have to show a lot defensively to impress management to allow them to make the team. And right now, I'd say it's not likely. So the one thing I'm going to fight back on, and it's funny because a lot of people uh, criticized Eduardo Escobar, and I tried to defend him last year. But the reality is, is his glove was pretty crappy last year. It really was. <laughs> it was very, it was it was questionable at best. So yeah, Brett Beatty came in and he looked a little raw. No, he didn't make plays look comfortable, but he did the job. So if you're like saying, well, Beatty can't make the, the everyday roster because we need to play Escobar because he's he's got a gold glove. I think that's false narratives. Yeah, look, and, and Luis Guillerme is going to be on this roster. He's one of those roster locks where he may play a lot, especially if he's hot like we saw last year, but he's so brilliant defensively at third and second that I think you can cover up the these issues. Like if Brett Beatty is tearing up spring training, and you're right, like he didn't look great defensively last year, Guillerme is a late-inning defensive replacement. So while I understand that defense matters, and defense is important, and you want Beatty to get better defensively, like you kind of said with Alvarez, you can do the same, but you can cover it up a little bit. It's just, it's going to be frustrating to get to opening day, Pete, and not have any of these young bats on the roster. And we're staring that as a legitimate possibility because one of the points I made during this offseason on why, hey, the Met offense will be better, even though they really haven't done anything to improve it. You know, signing Tommy Pham, great. Omar Narvaez, fantastic. They haven't really made that kind of game-changing move was Beatty and Alvarez. Well, those guys can be the difference. Well, we're starting to see here in late February that both guys are going to have an uphill battle to make this team. Okay, fine. If we accept that, they're not going to make the team. When and how are they getting here then? Barring injury, which is the way guys normally get here. But if there is no injury, what's the avenue? where we're going to see these guys because they're top major league prospects. And at some point, you got to let them play. So I, I have the first solution. Darren Ruff is going to be terrible April and May, and eventually he's going to find his way cut. So they're going to that, – that's how the first guy is going to get called up. No question. Uh, Darren Ruff will eventually say, see you later, whether he gets traded or whatever the case is. But then here's the thing is – and I, we talked about this with the pitching rotation too – the depth that the pitching rotation has because we don't – I don't see Verlander and Scherzer and everyone pitching 30-plus games. They're going to play 20 – pitch 25, 26 games. There's going to be openings for the 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 the, the depth of the rotation. The the, the These the seventh and eighth guys like Lucchese's and the, the McGill's of the world, they're going to see innings. That's the same – that's going to be the same thing with Alvarez because or, or Beatty because guys are going to get hurt. Not – Listen, it's it's impossible these days to go one sixty two. Look at St- look at Stalin Marte. Did we did you hear did you hear what happened with Stalin Marte? Did we yes. even get into it yet? Yes, he pulled both groins. I know. <laughs> and 
he played in the playoffs with, I think he described it as 100% pain. Yes. So, <laughs> no, I look, th- that is probably the answer. It's not the answer we want because nobody wants to, to see guys get hurt. But you're right. Guys will get hurt. And that's how the opportunity eventually will come about. It's just frustrating to think that coming into this season, it is very likely that Beatty, Alvarez, Vientos are all in the minor leagues. That That's just the way it's looking right now. Obviously, things can change, but that's the feeling you get here in late February. I, I agree, but I, and I do want to just say counter. You said you think Beatty's got the best shot to get in there. I do still think it's Alvarez. I think that Navarez... I don't see this spectacular bat from Navarez, and I do see that they're going to, from the catcher position, eventually it's going to hit where it's like, we don't have enough from DH, and we don't have enough from catcher still. We're going to have to find a way to get Alvarez some at-bats. Yeah, we'll make a bet then. Let's make a bet. Who's on the major league roster first? Now, obviously, injury could kind of cheapen this a little bit, but I would go Beatty is on this team before Francisco Alvarez this season, much like last year. So, you're officially going Alvarez. I'll go Beatty. We'll find out who wins. Sounds good. I'm I'm we, locked and loaded. We have a few bets going. I think the other bet was Darren Ruff, in my opinion, is not on the opening day roster. And you think he is. So Oh no, no doubt. Billy Epler. I, I've yeah. talked to him about this about this already. He said locked and loaded Billy Epler as the uh the DH against left handed bats. Uh, left handed uh, hitting. Darren yeah. Ruff, Darren, not Billy Epler. Billy Epler ain't DHing, though no. I probably prefer that over Darren Ruff. <laughs> The the other thing that was interesting was Ronnie Mauricio. Now, I don't picture necessarily Mauricio having an impact, a big impact this season, maybe as a trade chip, but more so in 2024. He is still going to play shortstop. And that's what I find interesting because he's blocked. He's not going to be a shortstop with the New York Mets. His long-term evolution or elevation to the major league roster is going to involve him playing a different position. Maybe it's third base. Maybe it's left field. I don't know. Maybe it's on a, in another organization, obviously. That's certainly a possibility that he is used as a chip before the trade deadline. But Mauricio had a tremendous run in winter ball. He is getting closer and closer to the major league level. And the more he plays shortstop, the more I would say as a Met fan, where's his road to the major league roster? Because, again, barring an injury to to Lindor, which could happen, and that's another revelation we had, that Lindor was hurt for the final month of the season and eventually needed to get a, an appendectomy. Is that what he needed? Something like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He could barely move. They checked his appendix, and finally, that's what he needed like a week after the season ended. But barring an injury to Lindor, Mauricio is not playing a position that makes him conducive to helping the Mets at all in 2023. So I was waiting for Billy to unveil the plan. Well, we're going to play him a little bit of third. We're going to play him a little bit left. We're going to get him accustomed to being an outfielder. We had even mentioned during the offseason with the, the uncertainty of Nimmo, hey, maybe Mauricio could learn center field. So I'm waiting for the, the move. The move for Mauricio to learn another position so that we can start to throw him into the mix as the guy who could come up here and help this team sooner rather than later. I mean, is there a possibility? And I know this is far, far away because I, I, I heard how, how he killed it in uh, Winter Bowl. Mauricio was it Winter Bowl, Dominican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dominic, uh, in Winter Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So 
the fact is, is there a possibility that they're planning Mauricio to take over at shortstop and eventually move Lindor to like third base and like that, or give yeah. that flexibility where Mauricio could play every position in the world and just give more. Here's the thing about today's baseball player. It's not just a, your first base and that's it. You're shortstop and that's it. They, they want more like utility players to be able to, to mix and match all over the ballpark. No, that's great. But then he's got to learn other positions. Like if Ronnie <laughs> Mauricio is going to become, you know, Ben Zobrist, in 2024, that's great. He's got to play positions other than shortstop. Lindor's the shortstop. Lindor's going to be the shortstop for a very, very, very long time. He's not moving positions. I think it says to me two things. Number one, they're keeping his value high because I do think that shortstop prospects are just naturally going to have more value than a left field prospect. So you continue to enhance his value as a trade chip. And then B... The Mets and Billy Epler are showing us something because we're still learning about this regime. It's relatively new. They are not rushing prospects. They are not calling guys up quickly. So they have zero plans for Ronnie Mauricio to make any impact in 2023. Obviously, injuries can change that, but I think they look at him more as 24, maybe 25 even. And so they don't feel like there's a rush to move him off of shortstop. 